0: We're we'll turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter one. Uh, we're going to continue our study of the book of Revelation. Last week was Easter, and so we stopped for a second, but we've, we've been going through it. We're seeing this is the book which really gives the end times. I mean, God rules the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sits on the throne and rules forever and ever. And the goal is to study the book, to know the book, and apply the book. Last time we got sort of the introduction where John is writing to seven churches, and we got the background and all those things. This morning. We're going to see if it'll work here. Uh, We're going to see the first vision in the church. As so we're talking, because the book of Revelation has all kind of different things in it. We're going to see that, and we're going to realize that John is on this island, and it's the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and he hears this voice behind him, and it's loud and powerful, and it, it's re- it tells him to write some things down. So when he turns around, he sees that uh, it looks like a man that's in the middle of seven big candlesticks. It's all powerful, and all of these things, and his hair is white, his eyes are glowing, his feet are glowing, he's dressed in a long robe, he has seven stars in his right hand, and when John... John sees him, he faints. And let me tell you, if we were if we were there, if we if Jesus Christ appeared right now in front of us, we'd all probably fall down as well. He's powerful. He's God. And so, it's Jesus Christ. But it wasn't the way John had seen him in the past. John would always say, he's the Lamb of God. That's who he is. But now, he's seeing him as the lion out of the tribe of Judah. So, Jesus reaches over, touches John with his right hand, and kind of gets him up and says, I want you to write what you have seen, what you are seeing, and what you will see. And so this morning, we're continuing to see, and we're going to see the vision, and we're going to see those kind of things. There's a lot there. Revelation is, is really an exciting book. A lot of people think about it, and they say, oh, I, some people say, oh, you can't know it, so no sense in studying it. Others say, you can know it. And the truth is this, if you take the book of Revelation, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, Zechariah, Matthew 24, 25, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, just those books, and put the things together, you can have an understanding of the end time events, especially Revelation basically ties it all together. And when we look at this book, it's a little bit unusual. It's called apocalyptic literature. When people hear the word apocalypse, they go, oh, yeah, disaster. The word apocalypse means unveiling. It, this book is an unveiling, and so you're gonna, we're going to get information that God had not really told before, or he's making it in a clearer way. So let me remind you that as we go through this book, we're going to see visions. I mean, they're the real thing. When John turns around and he sees Jesus, it's really Jesus, and it's really uh, uh, there, but it is a vision. It's something that he's seeing. We're going to see symbolic language we're going to see that the lampstands are going to represent something, and the seven stars are going to represent something, and we're going to see how that goes through. And then we're also going to see what they call figurative language, like a simile. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire. It didn't mean they were a flame of fire. It meant they looked like a flame of fire. And so we'll see as we go through the book, there's a lot of great things. Now, as we saw last time, remember this, God the Father gave the information to Jesus. Jesus gave it to an angel. An angel gave it to John, and John really Gave it to seven churches, which ultimately comes to us because it becomes what we'd call the book of Revelation in the Bible. And so as we look at this book, uh, as we started last time, we actually uh, started with one, the very first night or the very first day, we just went through the background and went through verse 1. Then after that, we went verses 1 through 8. And this morning, we're going to do 9 through 20. But if we remember last week, the work of Jesus Christ was emphasized in Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. He actually says this. He says, from Jesus Christ, the faithful, Witness the firstborn of the dead, the one who loves us and released us from our sins by His blood. It talks about Jesus coming, shedding His blood to pay for our sins. We also see a little bit later in chapter one, verse seven and eight, which we saw last time. The central point of the book of Revelation really is the return of Christ. Now, the book is going to show the 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 tribulation time period and all the things on, but everything comes to the end when Jesus Christ comes. And this passage, verse seven, says, "Behold, He's coming with the clouds." Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be, amen. I want you to understand that the rapture is the next event. Jesus is gonna come in the clouds and take us, the body of Christ, out. It's gonna happen in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, there'll be a trumpet, we'll all be gone. Most people in the world won't even know, won't even know what happened, they just know we're gone. When he comes the second time, And it says, Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. He's coming as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the judge of the earth, and every human being will see him when he comes. So it's powerful. And so that's what we saw last time when we saw it. I want to remind you, this is the outline. There's a card out there. I hope you got it all the very first week or the second week that we studied this. They're out on the table out there. There's a card that says Revelation on one side. gives you information about the book. On the other side, gives you the outline. This is the outline of what we've been looking at. Verses 1 through 8 is what we saw last week or last time. That's the introduction. And then he said, what you have seen. That's the vision we're going to see this morning. The things that are, that's the letters to the seven churches. We'll see those. That's chapters two and three. And then beginning in chapter four, basically to the end of the book, is what we call the tribulation time period, the things that will take place. It's in the future, the seven judgments, of heaven, the trumpets, the bowls, all of those things. And then he ends up, of course, with the promises. And so that's what we're going to see over these weeks. It'll take us a while to go through it. There's a lot there. Uh, I will try it. Since on a Sunday morning, we really can't just say, anybody got Questions. It just doesn't work that way. So, what I'm going to do is try to think of questions people might have, and I will raise some questions. I'll say, What does this mean? A lot of people think this means this, but we'll put it together. So, we'll try to do it the best we can. Let me give you the outline of our passage this morning just to show you what we're going to see. We're going to see John's information uh, where he talks about who he is, where he is, all that kind of stuff. And then we actually see the vision. He sees the Son of Man, he sees candles, he sees the description of Jesus, and all those things. And we'll go through it uh i'll try to go it it really as much detail as possible but there's so much there we'll just hit the high parts as always and we'll just see how it fits together so as we begin and we're going to start at verse 9 as we begin this morning john's going to give us information he's going to say who and where and why and when and so let's start with the who and the who is john look at verse 9 I, John, your brother and fellow partaker. And then he goes in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance. So he starts off with this John. Some people get confused about who John is. It's John. If you remember, there was John the Baptist who went around telling about Jesus. He was the voice crying in the wilderness. This is John the apostle. This was the youngest of the 12. He lived the longest. He wrote five books of the New Testament. I mean, he. this is who he is. And he calls himself your brother. And, and what he's saying is he's writing to believers and, and we're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We're all in the family of God that when we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we're placed in that. And so he says, I'm John, your brother. And then here's what he does. He says, he says we share in something. Notice the verse says, your brother and fellow, fellow partaker, which means sharer. and he says, in the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus. So he actually says three things. He says we're sharers in the tribulation. He doesn't mean the tribulation like the the seven-year time. He's talking about the tribulation they're all going in. In this day and time, there was a great tribulation by an emperor by the name of Domitian, and he was persecuting Christians everywhere. That's why John, we're going to see it in a little bit, he's out on this island. We'll talk about why he's out there. So he's writing, and he says, I'm a fellow sharer with you as we're all being Persecuted, and you know, we say something like, Whoa, persecution, that's terrible. Paul wrote that it is called for believers not only to believe in him but to suffer for his name. And we already know that our country is changing rapidly. Where 30 years, 40 years ago, it was an honor to be a Christian. If you said, Oh, I believe in Christ and I'm a Christian, people said, Oh, you're a nice person. Now, when you say I'm a Christian, they say, you're, you're an angry person, and you hate other people, and you did, I mean, so it's already changing, and the persecution may one day come in a way that we have never experienced before. It is already over the world. There are many people who die every day because they stand for Jesus Christ. John writes and says, I am connected with you in tribulation. And then he says, also I'm fellow sharers in the kingdom. And what he means by that is that one day, uh, all of the believers will be together in the kingdom. Throughout history, a lot of times people say things like, "Gee, if you die, I hope you go to you know, hope I go to heaven if I die." But the truth is, this, going to heaven is be a short time. We will come back to this earth for a thousand years and rule with Jesus there. It's called the earthly kingdom, and then He'll make a new heavens and a new earth. And this kingdom will be called the eternal kingdom, and it will go on forever. And so what we want to be is we want to be sharers in that kingdom. And, of course, whoever believes in Jesus Christ, we're part of that kingdom. And then the third thing he says, perseverance. He says, I am your fellow partaker in tribulation, kingdom, and perseverance. Perseverance has an idea of security. It's not our perseverance. It's his perseverance. It's him taking care of us. And so I put down that in tribulation, kingdom, and security, it's all in Christ. Notice he says, "I'm your brother and fellow betaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus. He is the one that works all of these things." So the who is John, and he's he's writing. And then what, where where are they? Well, they're on he's on this island called Patmos. Notice he goes on to say, I, uh, who, I, he, I, "He says who was on the island called Patmos?" Now what is that? Where is that? What what do we know? Well. Asia Minor, this is Asia Minor. These were where the seven churches were. This is modern-day Turkey. And then off of, there's Ephesus, the famous uh, church. There's this little island right out there called Patmos. And the Romans had it, and the Romans would sometimes exile people out there, and they made them do hard labor. And what happens is they put John out on this island. The Romans did. And so he's there, and it was a place of exile. I think it, yeah. Uh, it, it, so let me just tell you, here's the persecution. Let me, let me give you an idea of what's going on. In the 60s and 70s, now you remember, Jesus was basically started his ministry around age 30. We think that was probably around the year 30, 31. Died around 33, 34. Then came Paul, and, everybody, and they did all this ministry. Well, in the year 60 to 70, there became great persecution against Christians under Nero, And they took Peter and crucified him upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the right, you know, the other way because in honor to Jesus Christ. They took Paul and they cut his head off because Paul was a Roman citizen so he couldn't be crucified. They cut his head off. In A.D. 70, they came into Jerusalem because of the rebellion of the Jews and they came into Jerusalem and destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, scattered people all over the world. And then... In about 72 AD, the Jews went up to a place. They were fighting against Romans right up on top of a mountain, a place called Masada, and they ended up all dying there. There was great persecution. Nero is famous for burning believers, setting them afire and using them for torches. He's also famous for throwing them in the lions, you know, out in the places where the lions would eat them up. By the time we get to a 90 to 100, another persecution broke out under Domitian. And he did everything he could to kill Christians and to stop Christianity. And, and what he did is he took, he took John and put him on the aisle, uh, this island. And he basically said, I'll put him out there because he thought he could stop him, you know and, and stop, him, stop him, so that's where he is. Then he goes on, that. the question is, why? Why is he out there? Because of the testimony of the word in Jesus Christ. Notice what he says. I'm on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He said, I'm to proclaiming the message of salvation. And because of that, they put me out there. I put it this way. The Romans thought that they could stop the word of God by putting John in exile. But what did God do? God gave John the final revelation. I want you to think about something about John and the books. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. John's life was to proclaim clearly the gospel message of salvation. The Gospel of John is a book written particularly... That people could understand who Jesus is and believe in him for eternal life. So, if you have a friend, if you have somebody that they're checking it out and they're saying, I, I don't know what to believe or should I believe, just say to them, read the Gospel of John. Because John's Gospel is written so that people would see who Jesus is and believe in him. Now, we have out front, we have these little books called Living Water, the little bitty thing. And we got thousands of them. I mean, literally thousands. I'm not just saying thousands; exaggerating, like I always exaggerate. I'm I'm saying that there's literally thousands of these little books that we have, and what they are is the Gospel of John. So you could get those books, get you three, four, five, ten of them, whatever, and you could hand them out to people and tell them, "Hey, read this little book." Uh, and what they may not realize is they're reading the Gospel of John, and at the very end of the book has a clear gospel presentation. So that's what John is amazing. So here he is, and they put him out there thinking that. They're going to stop him. So when did this happen? Well, Revelation 1.10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So in the spirit means he's being controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's out there. There's no telling what he's doing. He may have been reading whatever copies of scripture he might have had. He may have just been praying, but it's on the Lord's day. Well, what is the Lord's day? Well, Lord's Day is Sunday, it's the first day of the week. I want you to understand that when you look at the calendar, Sunday's the first day and Saturday's the last day. Jewish people understood that they were to work six days and rest on the seventh. The seventh day is Saturday. Saturday's the Sabbath day. Sunday is not the Sabbath day, Saturday is. Sunday is the first day of the week. As believers, we worship on the first day of the week. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day. So here's John, and he's saying, I'm out there, probably worshiping by himself, knowing John. He was out there on the Lord's Day. He was in the Spirit. That's what happened. It's on the first day of the week, uh, in the Lord's Day, first day of the week. And what happened? Now, think about it. We, we've got who is John and, and uh, where are they on the Island of Patmos? Why are they out there? Because of the revel, you know, because of standing for Jesus Christ. And then when is this happening? It's happening on a Sunday morning. Basically, may, may, maybe Sunday during the day, we don't know it, but it is on the Lord's day. And what happened? It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice. Like the sound of a trumpet. It was so loud. You know, sometimes we have our, our praise team, they'll have a trumpet or they'll have a trombone or they'll have some, and sometimes, you know, you hear it and they go, wow, that's loud. That's good. I like it. Uh, I can't hear anything anyway, so I want it loud. And so the bottom line is he, he's there and he hears this voice behind him and it is a loud voice. And you know what he's going to do. It's just the same thing you would do. If you heard that, you would go, who's talking to me? But look what it says. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a a loud voice and it was like a trumpet. It was so loud. And we put that up. It was like a trumpet. And, And by the way, let me remind you of this. And I'll put this up here. The, the next event is the rapture. It could happen at any second. And then the next event after that, that's for us, is coming back with Jesus Christ to set up the kingdom. So the rapture, do you understand that when the rapture happens, there'll be, as First Thessalonians says, there'll be a trumpet sound. There'll be the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, We are alive and remain. So at the rapture, there's a trumpet. If you look carefully at Matthew 24, when Jesus comes the second time to set up the kingdom, there's going to be a trumpet blast again. And that's him coming to set up the kingdom. Probably most people will not hear the trumpet or see what happened in the rapture because it'll go just that fast. In the second coming, they will all hear that trumpet, and every eye will see him as he comes as the king. So he said, I, I heard this voice. It was, like, it was like a trumpet sound. And then look what he said. Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. He said, write this there. And he said, write it in a scroll, and, and what you see, this vision, and send it to the seven churches, now, I want you to think about it. That's the seven churches. This is the island of Patmos. It's way off there. And these, that's Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. They're like a circle. And these are churches in what's modern-day Turkey. He's off the coast there. He had been living in Ephesus. He was famous. In fact, he was the pastor, of the, he was the lead pastor of Ephesus. They put him on the island. Later on, after Domitian dies, he comes back, and he gets to live in Ephesus. And we think he died living in Ephesus, but God says, whoever's telling him, we'll see who it is in a minute, says, write in a book and send it to these seven churches. Now, think about John. He has already written the gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He thought his time was over. I guarantee you, if you just said, John, what's God going to use you for now? And he'd say, well, nothing. I'm on an island of Patmos all by myself. I've already done it all. I've already written the gospel. I've already written three other letters. I mean, that's four four books of the Bible. That's pretty good. I think I've done enough. And, you know, that's what a lot of people say. I think I've done enough. I'm sliding for home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the young people do it. Listen, don't slide for home. You're never too old and you're never too young. It's your time, as long as you're on this earth. So John, God said, is my time over? Nope. God's still using John. He gave him what we call one of the most important books in the whole Bible, and that's the book of Revelation. Well, let's see. What does he see? Verse 12. And I'm going to go. I'll try to talk a little faster. I'm going to have to go, and we'll see what happens. Look at verse 12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. and In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. He says, I turned around and I saw this, this, this man standing in the middle of seven lampstands. Now, the lampstands, these were tall, tall lampstands that were burning, seven of them. And he looks and he sees this and he says, this man, he looked like a son of man, the son of man, he was clothed in a robe which reached to his feet and this big golden sash going across this. So he saw seven golden lampstands and somebody in the middle of it. And he called him like, like a son of man. The son of man is the title of the Messiah in the Old Testament. It's the, it's the book of Daniel. And so he's actually saying, I saw one that looked like the Messiah. That's Jesus He said, I saw somebody a little like Jesus standing in the middle of these lampstands. Now, we could stop and say, I wonder what the lampstands are. He's going to tell us. Just keep reading, you know, right? So we're going to find it. And so he says, in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching down. And and, uh, here's kind of somebody's picture of what they thought it might look like. There's there's the lampstands. We're going to see that there are seven stars in his right hand. We'll talk more about that in a second. But notice, it's like a son of man clothed in robe, reaching to his feet and girded with a sash. Listen, he was dressed like a priest and a judge. Because I want you to understand, when he came the first time, he came as a priest to offer himself as the final sacrifice for sin. When he comes the second time, he's coming as the king of kings and the judge who's going to rule in righteousness. So that's why he looks that way. And, and then it goes on to say, and his head... His hair was white like, like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Remember, it's a simile. It's like his eyes weren't a flame of fire, but they looked like it. They, they like that. And, and that means there's nothing hidden. He's basically saying, when he looks at you, he knows everything. And the great truth is, he does know everything. He knows everything. And so... In Revelation, he's the judge, by the way. He judges the churches, the world, Babylon, the rulers, Satan, unbelievers. He's the judge. When he comes the second time, he's the king who judges the world. When he came the first time, he was the lamb of God who offered himself as a final sacrifice as the great high priest. Notice what he sees. He says, uh, his feet, let, let me just give you this one. His feet were like burnished bronze and had been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. He said, I looked at him and he looked like a person. And he had this sash on, and his hair was white, and his eyes, everything was, and, and his eyes were like a flame. And he had these lampstands, and he had in his hand something, and his feet were like burning. They were like, he said, That's what I saw. And then he said, And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Well, he sees this. And got this, this, he's got seven stars in his right hand. Well, what are these stars? Well, we're going to find out in verse 20. He's going to tell us what they are. And so we stand in there, and it says, out of his mouth is a two-edged sword. When you see that, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a place in the Bible where it says the Bible is as alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Well, in that particular passage, the two-edged sword is the word machaira. It was used by the Romans, and it was a short sword that they cut people up with. This is not that word. This is a word that actually means a javelin. It means like a long spear with a, with, a, with, a, with a sharp point on it. He's using it in the same way. Out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword. That's really the word of God. That's what he's saying. Revelation 19.15, he judges us by his word. The word of God is the basis. That's what he talks about. Look at this verse right here. He is clothed. This is 19. This is later on. He is clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. So when John sees him, he sees him in the midst of these lampstands. He's got seven stars in his hand, his eyes are glowing, everything's glowing, and out of his mouth comes a sword, a sharp, long spear-like sword, which is a picture of the Word of God. And, and he, you know, and let me tell you, he had he, he had seen him as the lamb, and now he's seeing him as the lion. That's who Jesus is. Uh, I love the lion witch in the wardrobe. Because in the language of the Lord, Adflin, that's God, that's Jesus. He's a lion. And you remember one of the lions says, is he safe? And the answer is, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Listen, he's the most powerful being you could ever imagine. He's the eternal Son of God. And when he comes, I always say he came the first time and he asked he offered himself as the, as the king, and they rejected him. When he comes the second time, he's not asking anybody. He is setting up the kingdom and ruling and righteousness and justice. Wow, he is that. Well, let me give you this right here. Uh, this is him coming. This is Revelation 1911. I saw the heaven open and a white horse and he said on it's faithful and true. Righteousness. In righteousness he does what? He judges and wages war. His look what his eyes are. A flame of fire is hit or diadems. He has a name written on him. Nobody knows. I heard a guy teach the other day. He said, I, I think I know the name. Listen, no, the Bible says you can't know. Quit being an idiot. You know, okay, so anyway, look at this. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that he may strike down the nations. That's judgment. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. What is it? King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming. And he's coming as the king. He's coming in power. Look what John said. When I saw him, I fainted. (laughs) When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He fainted. The power and the majesty was really too much. And so what happened? He placed his right hand on me. Jesus reaches out with his right hand and says, do not be afraid. And then he says three things about himself. Look what he says. He says, I'm the first and the last, the living one. Look what he says. I am the first and the last the living one. That means he's eternal. He's the first. When you think of, he says, I am, that's the name of God. The first and the last, that's the idea that he's eternal. The living one, he always lives. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's called that way all the way through the book. In verse 8, I'm the alpha and the omega of chapter 1. Who is, to who is who was, and who is to come. Or who, you know, just He's just amazing. And so we see him as the eternal God. Look at this right here. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts I am the first and the last. There is no God beside me. Look, you can look around the world, and there's all kinds of people there, and they have all kinds of false religions. And I'm going to tell you what they're all false religions. There's only one true God, there's only one Savior. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He's the only one. There's nothing else. And anybody else that says this is the way to God, there's only one way to God, sometimes people are going to persecute you because you will say you believe there's only one way to God, there's only one God, and that is the Savior Jesus Christ. And people will come after you because you say that. But what does he say? I'm the first and the last, and there is no God beside me. The second thing he says about himself, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Look what he says. Behold, I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. He died. He was dead. He came to die on the cross. He said, I be, it, literally in the Greek, it says, I became dead. He came to the earth, died to lay down his life, died on the cross to pay for sin, and then alive forevermore. He's the resurrection and the life. He's never going to die again. He's the savior of the world. That's who he is. He lives forever. And then the third thing he says, I have the keys of death and Hades. That means he has authority over death and Hades, meaning he has authority over death. He's conquered it. By the way, you hear the word Hades, and a lot of people immediately assume when you hear the word Hades, that means hell. It does not. Hades is a place in the earth, the place of the dead. Luke 16 talks about it. It is not hell. It is not the lake of fire. The words in the Greek, in the New Testament that deal with the lake of fire or hell is Gehenna and a place called the lake of fire. This is Hades. This is the place of the dead. He is saying, I control all lives. I control life and death. I have conquered death. That's what he's doing. Look at this right here. Jesus said, he's talking to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I want you to look at this verse carefully. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Now, he's going to explain resurrection. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. That's resurrection. And then watch, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the one who gives eternal life. He is the one who raises everyone from the dead that dies and lives. They live forever. Some, let me let me say it a better way. They will exist forever. I want you to understand. I think I talked about it last week. There will be some people who will live forever with Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life, and it comes by faith. There will be some who will exist forever, separated from Jesus Christ. It's called the second death, and it's because they did not believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I hope and pray, every one of you in this room, that you have believed in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. It is not your works. It is not your goodness. It is not trying to be a good person or trying to do anything. It is taking the gift of eternal life, which is offered to you because Jesus has died and rose again. He has paid for all sin and he's offering to you a gift and the gift is eternal life. And when you believe in him, he gives you eternal life. Look at verse 19. He says, Therefore, here's what I want you to do. Write these things which you have seen, the things which are and the things which will take place. This verse, Verse is the outline of the book. Look what he says. Write the things that you have seen. That's chapter 1. Write the things which are. That's chapters 2 and 3. Write the things which will take place. That's chapters 4 through chapter 22. That's the book. That's the book. And this is the outline that we gave you. And that's the outline of the book. And it all goes back to verse 19. Now let's get the answers to this first vision. Look at verse 20. As for the mystery... Of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. Because we, have, we ask, who? what are the seven golden lampstands and what are the seven stars? He's going to tell us. He says, the seven stars of my right hand and the seven lampstands. He says, seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. Seven angels. Well, the word angel, or the word there is angelos, which can mean messenger. And so we're going to talk about it next week. We'll go into detail. Does he mean that each one of these churches has a particular angel that is involved with them? Or does it refer to messenger, which usually means somebody in the church, which is like the teacher, like maybe the pastor. And so is the seven stars real angels or are they people? We'll talk about it some next week. We know that the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And that's what he's talking about. So we're going to see it. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven gold lampstands, seven stars are the seven angels, the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we've already explained the vision. Jesus in the middle of the seven churches. He's holding in his hand the seven messengers. Whether they're real angels or people, we don't know. We'll have to look. And he's about to give a message to them. He's going to tell John right now. To these people. Let me give you quickly close because of time. That's the seven churches, of course. Let's realize. This is our application. Let's realize that God has revelation for us. He has it. The word of God is meant to be understood, and applied. We can know the book of Revelation. We can know the whole Bible. We can understand it and put it together. That's why we're supposed to study the word of God and dig it and and understand it. Second, let's realize our position in Christ. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we're placed in him and just as he died, we were dead and, and then he rose again, we rose again. So basically we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Let's live in the newness of life and walk worthy of our calling, of our position. That's who we are. That's what John is going to do. And then the third thing, let's worship Jesus Christ. I want you to think about it. First of all, he's the judge. We'll give an account. All of us in this room who know Christ, who have believed in him, we will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things that we have done. So have you lived as a believer and you've tried to serve him, do things, one day you'll stand before him. And what we hope is he will say... Well done, good and faithful servant. So he is the judge, and everyone will give an account. Unbelievers will stand before a thing called the great white throne judgment. That's found in Revelation chapter 20. We'll see that someday, okay? So anyway, and then the second is the eternal one. That's who he is. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the eternal God. Let's worship him as who he is. And then finally, he is the one who conquered death by his resurrection, he has the keys of death and Hades, and he will bring all people up, some to live with him forever and ever through by faith in Christ that's eternal life, some who will die forever separated from him because they did not believe in him. That's called the second death. What a passage. Well, we've just gotten started, and in the next week or two, of course, we're gonna start going through these these letters to the churches and their particular letters, but the information in those letters fit churches today. We'll see how that fits together.